WNBC. No, no. You gotta be more like this. <clears throat> Listen up. WNBC. You hear that kind of lift? The NBC. WNBC. 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 In my mind, I'm hearing. I'm, it sounds like I'm saying exactly no, what you're saying. No, actually. WNBC. You know what? Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 41 of Opening Weekend, the podcast that travels back in time to revisit opening weekends of the past and revel in that other great American pastime, going to the movies with our friends. We are coming up on the one year anniversary, actually, of movie theaters closing their doors due to the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, interestingly, this is also the week that New York City movie theaters began to cautiously reopen their doors once again. And, you know, while I'm not going to do it without the vaccine in my arm, I cannot wait to safely get back into a movie theater, especially since the last movie I saw in a theater was Sonic the Hedgehog. And, you know, I did not bring a child with me. (laughs) I just have an unhealthy love for all things Jim Carrey circa 1994, which is exactly what that movie and that performance was. All righty then. Uh, uh, but speaking of the 1990s, this week we travel back to March 7th, 1997, and the release of Private Parts, the Betty Thomas-directed biopic starring its own subject, Howard Stern, and Tim Allen in the Disney comedy Jungle to Jungle, also starring Martin Short. But before we dive into the week's movies, um, Fred and Dan, now this is going to involve a lot of deja vu because we just spoke about late January and February of 1997 a few right. weeks ago when we reviewed Waiting for Guffman and Meet Wally Sparks, and there was a lot of confusion about who we were and what we were doing. <laughs> so oh boy, so yeah. I, I hesitate to ask. Uh, <laughs> I hesitate to ask Fred and Dan, where were you guys in March of 1997? I was in Fred's production of Hamlet. No. <laughs> no! No. no! I wasn't yelling no, like that would be a terrible thing if you were in the production, because uh, that would have been wonderful. I was yelling no, like I, can, I, I can't bear to go back to the confusion that I had a few no, episodes I ago. Um, I was in production at this time. It was Brian Friel's translations, don't you know? Oh, and I pulled a Brewster. I pulled a I pulled a Brewster device, not Brewster device. Who was your guy who didn't wash? Gravenwood. I pulled a Ravenwood in that production. I refused to put anything I wore for that role, I played Jimmy Jack Cassie, who's 10,000 years old. I was uh-huh. 21, 22. <laughs> That's the ca- story of your life. That was your story thing. of my life. Old smelly guys. Yeah, old, exactly, Fred. Old smelly guys, my wheelhouse. <laughs> and I played an old smelly guy who was 1,000 years old and spoke Greek and, and in this Irish play that took place in like an Irish schoolhouse. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to ever put my costume into the wash to be washed at the end of the show. It was like a three-week run Good for uh, you. in grad Good school. For yeah. You. I went very Oddly enough to this pandemic, I've been doing the same thing just with my actual clothes. <laughs> Good for you. And just How's hygiene that? in general. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go so method into this pandemic. I'm not going to wash. <laughs> I'm not going to wipe. I'm not going to clean anything. I am day Lewising the shit out of this <laughs> pandemic. How does your family feel about that? They're in it. You know, they, they understand my method and my craft. You know, they're they're yeah. totally on board. They're into my choices. <laughs> the craft of only using three pairs of underwear a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. 
How did your castmates feel about your choice there? Oh, they hated it. Plus, I would always <laughs> fart on stage. I was constantly like, anytime I tur- did, a, did, a, did an upstage turn, I was like. Isn't it, isn't like, it the, the most fuck? freeing thing? I can't tell you how many oh, times God. I did. I've been doing, well, whenever it comes back. I've mm. been in The Lion King for 10 years. I can't tell you how many times I farted on that big, beautiful Broadway stage. And I'm always like, no one's aware. Like, there's like a chorus of zebras. There's so much going on. There's so much going on on stage. There's zebras jumping. There's this and that. I'm just like, in the middle of lines and scenes. I mean, and I'm sure, you know, we all do it. If the audience is new, how much gas was being expulsed on stage by actors. They would never go to the theater again. That's why they have to redo all the HVAC systems <laughs> right. for the year. It's not because of the coronavirus. Because of your ass. They did a study. Yeah. yeah. Like, now, what is this in the air? <laughs> oh. This is a new variant. It's the Berman <laughs> variant. But th- there was a point, you know, there was a, a, there's a certain point where you feel like embarrassing your shit, but then it, oh, it, it, it's almost like empowering. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm doing this and you have no idea. Yeah, sure. It's it's like shoplifting, Fred. It's exactly the same. That feeling of control. It's, and, it's the only thing we have control over sometimes as actors. Uh, is our well, own, your bodily functions. Yeah, exactly. So sorry, oh Dan. God. So continue. You're farting on. You're farting on stage. That is the only thing I was doing was farting and, and smelling up the stage uh, down in Sarasota, Florida. What does a an Irish Greek accent sound like i don't fucking know you think i goddamn know what it is <laughs> i have no idea i i, I wandered around going and athena and 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 ajax and this one and that one i didn't know what i was saying or what i was doing every every night after rehearsal i'd go to the director my my mentor jim wise and i'd be like I can't do this part. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't play 946 years old. I don't know what I'm saying. How do I do this? He'd be like, you're fine. You're doing great. Don't worry about it. He's not in it. My character wasn't in it that much. I wasn't, you know, it was, <laughs> he had bigger right. fish to fry. You don't gotcha. worry about me. Yeah, but that's the age when we're all, so, uh, you know, we're obsessed with every, oh God, every yeah. performance we give and every, yeah. uh, anything like that. Approval. Outside. Give me approval. approval. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. just want to, uh, am I doing it great? <laughs> yeah. Not just right. good. Am I doing it great? That's right. That's right. And your freaking, you know, your mentor acting teacher is directing the production. So it's like, am I, am I doing the thing right, that you're course. training me to do? You know, of it's course. like, Jesus Christ, you're completely paranoid. After yeah. that, uh, so this must have been, this must have been around the time we were performing translations, actually. So right after this, we do completely the opposite. And uh, I was in um, a cabaret of Irving Berlin <laughs> songs called Stepping Out. After the show... Um, someone went to the house manager and was like, that was wonderful. It's all old Jewish people down there. That was wonderful. The overweight Jewish boy was wonderful. They were talking about me. Not Jewish, A. B, yes, chunky, but overweight. Overweight's almost a worse insult because that that means I had an ideal weight that didn't, in this woman's mind, was over. Yeah, exactly. It didn't pan out. Your ideal weight didn't, didn't pan out. You're didn't overweight. You. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Somebody relayed that to you. Yes. Somebody yes. kindly relayed that to you. Yes. Hey, 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 you got a fan out there. <laughs> exactly. I was like, great. Thanks. Thanks a lot. What were you doing, Freddie? What are you doing, Freddie? I was, I, well, thankfully, <laughs> God, I remember go. exactly what oh, I was good. doing this week and I'm good. positive and I'm, and I'm correct. Cause I double checked it. Oh, Cause yeah, there's like, like we were saying a couple episodes ago, this, 
this whole time, like I remember what I was doing, but the order is all over the place in my mind. Mm. But this week was actually super cool for me. And I was doing exactly what I, like what I dreamed of, of wanting to do ever since I got into acting. So at the time I was doing, I was doing Grandma Sylvia's Funeral, which is a yes. play I've talked about before. It was like so an interactive good. Tony and Teen is, but from the the, the Jewish perspective. Mm-hmm. So I was doing that. Starring Jade um, Barrymore. With Jade Barrymore and Steve Grillo of, uh, of Howard Stern fame yes. was in it. And, but I had just started filming or was about to start filming. So I was in rehearsal for a, an independent feature that I did called The Court. It's now, I think they, they retitled it. It's now called Going Down. And it was like everything I wanted to do because mm. it, it was basically this guy, PJ Bracco, wrote and directed. A really great guy. We're still very close today. He went to, um, oddly enough, he went to Boston University and he went to school with our, our friend Nathaniel Eaton, Jason. Oh. Um, and a few other people. Like there were a lot of other people that that we knew in common. Oh, cool. But um, so he wrote, this this film and he was filming it in uh in red hook brooklyn which at the time was was very different than what red hook brooklyn is today and it was like a mean streets type of thing it was like his mean streets you know it's four guys very similar to that and and i was cast as his and his character was like you know this fuck up drug dealer drug user like wannabe tough guy and i was cast as his young cousin joey he was paulie i was joey and then the other guys were, it was this group of guys that they all bartended together in Tribeca. So it was really, really cool. It was like at that time, it was exactly what I wanted to be doing. This sort of like Scorsese, mm. you know, feel of a, of a film and, you know, sort of gritty urban street stuff. And Sounds like um, a very Lords of Flatbush type of an experience. Yeah, mm. yeah, totally. And and it was a really cool role and it was fun. And like these, you know, all the, these guys like all knew each other. And, and the, the, the sort of the arc of the movie was my character was, you know, the young cousin. He was brought into the fold and he worshipped his his older cousin, Paul. And he sort of got dragged into this and he gets killed at the end. And it's, it's there was, you know, a lot of, you know, whacking mobsters and this and that. Hmm, and nice. it was a lot of fun. So it was really cool. So me jumping into it because they all knew each other that that relationship was already built. Like they were yeah. giving me shit right from the start. So, you know, it, it, that was fun for me as an actor trying to like get into that and trying to, you know, look up to them. And, and, and I did too, cause they were, they were just cool guys. I'm like, I, I like these guys. Yeah. I remember that's when like I went, I got like my Pacino Carlitos way leather jacket for the first time. <laughs> um, I started to smoke for the, for the duration of the movie, which oh was God. weird because I, I can't, and smoking. I can't yeah, stand that. just being around smoking, but you're like that old lady from the exorcist ravaging yourself, uh, for the, uh, for the sake <laughs> for the of role. your art. Yeah, for the role. That's what it was. I had to do it. You know, like now was I'm not showering. Film? Or cleaning. Was this your no, first film? No, I'd done film? a few like, you know, indie films before this. Oh, okay. Um, but this was like something that like I re I was like, Oh God, I want to do this. This is, you yeah. know, this is like the world that I always wanted to dip my toe into. Are there clips of this movie on YouTube? Can I pull a clip of you the way we, I'll have to uh, pull clips of Tim Allen. <laughs> you, I'm sure that I'm sure I can get you something. I'm sure I can find okay. you some stuff. All right. What are we going to do about this? I can do anything about it because I'm going to go back to sleep. You're not going nowhere. I'll kick your ass and get yourself in trouble. Do you hear me? I'll kick your ass. Boy, so I've got a little message for you. 
What were you doing, JJ? I was doing like so many things. It's weird. This was like that time where you just, you know, working like multiple jobs, probably working four jobs. You know, <laughs> I was I was working at an after school program. I was working at the Feld Ballet. I was temping at Goldman Sachs. This is just before um, this is a few months before Jekyll and Hyde Club. But I mean, I was I was like darting around doing a million different things. And and in terms of theater, it was like I wasn't doing any like I wasn't in a show like a run of a show but i was doing a lot of unrehearsed shakespeare fun and at the same time i was doing that sketch comedy improv group uh one-eyed mod the group oh I, my god yeah with, with uh jack <laughs> with aaron Canfora and aaron waiton Yay! and tyler bunch and jen pierce jen our pierce. friend from college great people all Jeannie noth who is uh uh, jim gaffigan's wife now jim gaffigan's wife they weren't oh, wow. dating at that time holy um, shit but uh, yeah, it was a great group of people. It was really fun. And uh, wow. it's so funny now, however many years later it is, now I'm doing, did you guys know this? I'm doing, a, I, I did a play of Jack's. Jack Kenfora wrote a play called yeah. Jericho that's oh, yeah. been, ran off Broadway a few years back, but now it's Jill been Eikenberry done. Jill from, from right. L.A. Law. Right. Yeah. Marsha Mason directed it for, yeah, not Zoom, but another platform, StreamYard. And now it's actually awesome. like. It's actually available right now through April to 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 watch, you know, and, oh, cool. and, and it's and Jack's play is beautiful. And but at this time, I don't think he was writing plays, but he was writing. He was still pursuing acting and he was hardcore and he was doing, you know, writing comedy, writing comedy. So he a lot of the sketches that we performed in when I would were Jack's sketches mm -hmm. Um and uh, and that was really fun. And I was had just moved into that place, that crazy old South African Broadway producer's apartment on the Upper West Side with Tyler. I mean, my life, there were puppets everywhere. It was so goddamn weird. My life was just so goddamn weird. I wake up, Tyler's in a bathrobe eating macaroni and cheese. There's puppets everywhere. I, I, I don't belong there. Why were there like puppets everywhere? Why were because there he's a puppeteer. He was working oh, for oh, Sesame right, Street course. and Bear in the Big Blue House. And yes. he was like he was oh like he was like a muppeteer um <laughs> isn't that so funny like the guy who plays with felt puppets had more security at that time than you did oh god <laughs> yes yeah there, one of our best sketches in that uh in that in that uh sketch group one-eyed Maud, which was named after i loved it because it was named after b arthur's character Maud, <laughs> but it was really named after aaron waiton's dog a little <laughs> old dog with one eye <laughs> named Maud. um we had a little logo for it and everything. But uh, one of my favorite sketches we did, and I had nothing to do with this, it was Jeannie Noth, uh, uh, Jim Gaffigan's wife, was playing this one. It was called The Breakup. And it was it's just a real breakup scene. But the other character is a puppet. And Tyler played the puppet. And so it was like this, this little Muppet. And, they, and she's crying. And like it was just played so sincerely <laughs> with a puppet. It's and great. it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Um so I was doing that. I was doing the uh, the unrehearsed Shakespeare, which was so crazy because I was because I would do these performances, you know, I do like one or two performances as a character. And then at that age, you're like look, I'm putting it on my resume. I'm like, I played Romeo because I did. I mean, during like within a one month span, I played Hamlet, Romeo and Leontes. I'm 25 wow. years old. And I, I basically did Leontes as Al Pacino. Again, oh, it was like fantastic. I was like, you know, I was like, I didn't know that play. I like get, you, you know, you get the script and you're like. Okay, Friday you're gonna do it. And you're like, okay. So you just make like one big 
weird choice and yep. you go for it and so i did the whole thing like stomping around like i was in glengarry and <laughs> go play was, boy play yeah, that's what it was like <laughs> it was like take it up take up that bastard and throw it in the fire <laughs> your mother plays and i play too my favorite thing i remember you you telling me about when you were doing midsummer yeah and you're playing peter quince uh-huh. and oh, you're like I, what how do i play this and oh, right. That was a great direct. And what did the director the say? The director, my dear friend, uh, at rest in peace, Janice Allman, who was the founder of this company, you know, she would do text sessions with us and stuff. And I was like, I don't know what to make of it. And she said, just say his name. Say his name. <laughs> We're just like smoking. We're drinking at a bar. I was like, Peter Quince. She's like, say it again. I'm like, Peter Quince. And she's like, oh, really? Peter Quince? <laughs> I was like, all right. So I played him as... Flaming, <laughs> and he was—he he had like an enormous crush on Bottom, right? A huge, huge, and Bottom was cast oh. as this really muscular, like farm boy or whatever, you know, and oh. wore like these overalls and no I shirt. Remember seeing that. that was the one you guys did it at BAM. We did it at BAM. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that I was had great. This, oh, oh, and not that that's oh, saying that's the way you have to play Peter Quince, everybody. <laughs> but apparently, but it, when uh, the kid in Jungle to Jungle had a meeting with the director, they God. did the same thing. He was like, "I don't know, I don't know how to play this." Weird native villager in the city. And he's like, say his name. <laughs> Mimisiku? Say the name again. Mimisiku? Say it again. Mimisiku? I don't know. Just do whatever the fuck you want. You're half naked, kid. Grab a spear and run around the city. Climb the Statue of Liberty. Now go. Oh, it's jungle to jungle. Very good, Fred. <laughs> New York stockbroker Michael Cromwell has an appointment in the Amazon. Rana? At a remote Indian village. Oh my God. It's Gilligan's Island. He's not sure what he's doing there. If we get to pick our own names, I'd like to pick a man who's extremely well endowed. Sorry, it's already taken. But he's about to find out. The boy sitting next to the fire over there is your son. That is my son? What am I supposed to do now? Now, he's bringing home his son from one jungle to another. You're going to have to learn what men do in my jungle. Want to go someplace? All you do, wave your arm. Magic. Oh, magic will be if he understands English. Manhattan stockbroker Michael Cromwell, played by Tim Allen, is engaged to marry fashion designer Charlotte, played by Lolita Davidovich. But first, he needs a divorce from his estranged wife, Patricia, played by Jill Beth Williams, who's been living in the Amazon with a native tribe for years. Upon traveling to the Amazon, Michael discovers he has a 13-year-old son, Mimi Siku, played by Sam Huntington. Did I say it right? <laughs> That's the name. Mimi Siku? Yeah. Mimi yeah. Siku. Say Mimi it again. Siku. Mimisiku, Mimisiku, played by Sam Huntington, Sam Huntington, who (laughs) begs to be taken to New York City to fulfill a quest for his tribe. Also starring the always funny and criminally underused Martin Short and David Ogden Stiers, who, after this and Meet Wally Sparks just a month before, must have been two thirds of the way through some sort of weird 1997 shit show trifecta. Jungle to Jungle made $12.8 million over its opening weekend on its way to $59.9 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you think of Mimi Siku and the whole gang in Jungle to Jungle? I got to tell you, I, I, I did not see this when it first came out. What? 
<laughs> I was never a Tim Allen fan. Never mm. did it for me. I didn't watch Home Improvement. No. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any of the Santa Claus movies. I mean, I said the only one I've seen is Santa Claus 2 for this podcast. Mm. Uh, I, I love love Galaxy Quest. Really yes. liked him. That, that was very surprising to That's me. That's great. a fantastic movie. But I had no urge to see this movie at, yeah. at the time. It, it, was, it was like, why would you even make a movie like this? Why? Why are they doing this? Mm. So I watched it for the first time yesterday, I believe. Mm. And I said out loud as I was starting it. <laughs> Fuck, I don't want to watch this movie. Oh, man. I said it out loud. And it started, and there's young Mimi Siku paddling, you know, through the, the, the on the Amazon, and, he's, mm-hmm. and he's, he's climbing up a mountain, and it starts with him screaming on the top of a mountain. <laughs> and, I, and my first thought was, is now I, I think in the movie it's supposed to be like a scream of pride and yes I did it yes. but it sounded like a scream of anguish and I thought <laughs> is, is this a harbinger of things to come for me and for this movie and I got to tell you I was actually surprised by how much I enjoyed at least the first thirty to forty minutes of it. I really did not. Jason <laughs> flabbergasted. He's flabbergasted. I'm wow. I'm fascinating. Don't get me wrong. I no, did not think it's this. a great movie, but I was. I did not like Tim Allen. Right. This is you can see, and I was really thinking about it because he's not a very good actor in this. Mm-hmm. He's got moments here and there, mm-hmm. but especially in the beginning. He's so unlikable. And it's funny because we, Jason, you and I were talking about, or we were texting about his, his interview on Mark Marin, which yeah. I just listened to recently. Yeah. And he says that right off the bat. He's like, I like being mean to kids. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm fine wow. being a dick. He, you know, he, he enjoys that. And yeah. so he really pushes that. And that, you know, you need that with the character. The character is supposed to start out as very unlikable and self-absorbed and into his own thing. He's just not very good at finding the nuances at it. Yeah. And so, and, and a lot of the physical comedy, you know, quote unquote, that he's trying to do in the beginning was like, oh, showing how mad he is. And her. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. it's really not good. It's all labored. Yeah. yeah. But the people around him, the rest of the cast, I was like, oh, Joe Beth Williams is really good. Where did she go? Like, I, I know, thought I haven't seen she her was, in such a long time. Yeah, yeah she was very grounded. I, I thought the kid was good. Um, yeah, Sam Huntington's great. Yeah, yeah, he's a very good actor, and he he's, did a good job. He's very good. It at was this. all these things. I just kept it. I'm like, oh god, this is gonna be. T- it's gonna be a lot of really bad child acting, and <laughs> you know, just bad. Like Martin Short's gonna be over the top, and I, I thought he was very funny. It's hilarious. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, all my laugh out loud moments are. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure. where, yeah. where <laughs> when the that stock crashes, he's like, he's like, he's like, what? Well, Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's the yeah, car of the spider, and he presses himself wow. against the glass. Yeah. But I love the one when he's in the airport meeting him, and he's like, Oh, God, I'm dead. I'm going to lose my house. Where will my children live? Richard. Where will my children live? That, <laughs> that was good. He was really good. Uh, and this story, as it went along, like made originally when the kid takes out the spider, there's the whole scene on the, with the spider on before the kid gets the spider right. to be his pet. That scene was, I was like, Oh fucking Tim Allen, you know, running and being chased by being the spider. Chased, you know, right. But then it continues. Like there's a storyline behind that and the screaming and they use that throughout. So I thought this isn't bad storytelling and it sort of took its time and I'm like, okay, so, because I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know what was going to happen. I figured mm-hmm. it was going to be about a movie about Tim Allen being on the island, living on the island and having, but no, it was really about the kid 
coming to New York. And right. I, you know, I'm like, really? They're not going to give him clothes. He's still going to wear his loincloth. But I thought, okay, it's a kid's <laughs> movie. I'll, 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 you know, and all things said, yeah, I didn't think it was as bad as I thought it was going to be. Now, once they meet David Odgen, Stiers, Steers, I, and, yeah, and Stiers, I think, but that, uh, then it dragged and I started to like my, you know, my eyelids started to go and I, I just didn't care. You can tell a comedy is, is giving up. When it introduces mobsters a third of the way through, and it's like as the plot, you know, where somehow the mobster has a beef with the dad, and it's like, yeah. why? Well, it's like three men and the baby. It's like all these fucking yeah, movies. Right. Right. Yes, like, you're right. It's always the there's the mob and gangsters, and then maybe there's drugs, and it's hidden in the thing, and then but like light family comedy going on around it. I hate when movies do that, and they seem to do it on the regs. And uh, <laughs> well, it's, it really, seems to be like, this why? Disney structure, right? We see some. Something similar. It's not mobsters in Santa Claus too, but it's like okay, he's got to yeah. overcome a challenge. But then there's this other challenge because now we need to fold in a villain. You know, we need yeah, an yeah, actual yeah, yeah. villain because he's yeah. not the villain anymore. After after the halfway point in this movie, Tim Allen's no longer the, he's the not antagonist, the right? Yeah, you're exactly. Right. And so they need another thing. And you're exactly right. Three Men and a Baby and Santa Claus and a ton of other Disney a style things, movies are yeah. like now we will bring it. You know, the fucking all the Disney live action things going as far back as you can, you know, once the cat from outer space, you know, once Harry Morgan is no longer the, the fucking <laughs> antagonist, somebody else has to be, right? Somebody else try to get the cat from outer space. Once That's the true. Apple Dumpling gang, once You're Bill right. Bixby, you know, helps the Apple Dumpling gang and is not trying to block them from doing whatever they're, whatever they're doing, Tim Conway and Don Knotts have to come in to be Once the, Bill Cosby's devil leaves, then it's that fucking song needs to be played over and over and over again, and that song becomes the antagonist of the movie. End of our lives. I have been in this business 52 years and I will, I've never seen anything like this. I, I'm with you, Fred, on this particular movie. I, beyond the 30, 40 minute mark, I was, why, why does this happen to me at 47 years old? When they oh, fucking boy. say goodbye in the airport, I'm tearing up. <laughs> I hate myself. I'm tearing up at their fond goodbye to this father-son goodbye. And I'm hating myself at the same time for tearing up because I'm goddamn invested in stupid Mimi Siku's fucking story. Because God they did it. They did. I didn't get, I wasn't teared up, but I also wasn't like, this isn't earned. I thought it was... It was earned for the most part. That That's what was surprising earned, to me. But fuck you, because Tim Allen's bad. What do you call this place again? The surface of the sun? Yeah, Tim Allen has a blandness yeah, that, yeah. that make, means you can him. kind of, well, it means you can kind of pour him into anything. You can pour him into these dad, these generic dad roles. Right. And, you know, and he's got a little, and that thing that you talked about, Fred, that he said on Mark, Mar the fact that he's not a, a naturally warm and fuzzy person with kids, that's helpful, too, because you've got there's there's a tanginess to yeah. the, mm -hmm. you know, to, he's got this natural slight disdain that he doesn't have to act that. So the beginnings of these movies where he's like the curmudgeon, he kind of naturally is that. And then he becomes Santa Claus and then he learns to <laughs> right. love the kid, you know, he's whatever. He's, he's kind yeah. of a jerk and so it works out really well um yeah i find i tend to find him likable to watch but it is like where you put something on the tv when you don't feel good and you put something on the television that's non-offensive it's not going to challenge you too much but it's also right. you know maybe you'll fall asleep watching it and then 
when you wake up, you won't be startled or shocked or moved <laughs> or, or interested. You'll ju- it's just background noise. He's kind of the background noise of leading He's background men. background noise that does the job. He's background noise that does the job you need it to do. Are you, are you familiar with the stand-up, Jason? No, no, I'm really not. I'm really not. Because that was the thing that I was sort of, especially in the beginning, it was so obvious to me when he was dropping, when I was like, all right, that's a Tim Allen. Like he came up with that. Like I remember when he, yeah. he's, he's, oh, when he boy. first gets to the island and he's God. sleeping in the hammock and it's so stupid and childish, but I thought like all the villagers farting. lying in the hammocks farting yeah. in their sleep. I was laughing. I, th- yeah. I was like this, this it's fart jokes, but I was laughing. Just funny, like half naked villagers farting in hammocks. But then he has that line, oh, talk about your wind instruments. And I was yeah. like, terrible. Terrible. Boo, Tim Allen. You don't I thought, need it, that. Yeah. And I just thought, is that his humor? Is that his thing? Because no, I don't his know his thing is to do is to do the oh, 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 to do which like he, a a gorilla, which he does in the he movie does in when the he goes. Movie. Oh, right. No, he yeah. the, the cat, something happens with the cat, and he goes into his stand up act for 0.5 seconds. Oh. It's like doing it, his gorilla character. I know. Fuck I you. wrote that down. I was like, I was like, this is him being like, you know. And the director's probably like, well, the, you wouldn't do that. And he's like, he's like, look, we got to have. <laughs> We got to have one gorilla noise in the movie. I'm going to pick where it goes. And here it is. Believe me. Believe me. My legions of fans. And he's got the Tim Allen brand. And they I mean, that's this. the thing. He's, he's got, that was the other Stupid. thing that like he spoke about with on Mark Maron. Like yeah. he was one of those road comics, you know, yeah. like him yeah. and Jay Leno. And it's also interesting what you were saying. That's what I say. What did I say? I said, so it's yeah. interesting. Yay. That at this time, I wonder what you were saying, Jason, about him being sort of bland. And it was, I feel like this was around the time when sort of that, that, Every man comic or every woman comic yeah. was, I mean, Roseanne was earlier, Roseanne was but, earlier just, but-, but just those, those comics that were like, it's just a regular guy. It's the guy yeah. next door. I don't know why this movie ultimately, I, I don't want to say it got me, like it hooked me in and really pulled at my heartstrings and stuff, but I was invested enough. And I think it's because of Sam Huntington, you know, because this yeah. kid is, is, is really um, giving it his all. And you, you do like him a lot. I mean, at least I did. I really liked him a lot and I was invested in his, in his uh, journey. I loved the little scene between him and a very young uh, Lily Sobieski, Sobieski when they were oh, catching yeah, the fish nice. and everything. I thought that was a lot of fun. And I thought the strongest sequence in the movie, I mean, the David Ogden Styers subplot aside is all the stuff at Martin Short's house. That's, I think, the most fun stuff in the movie. I was, I was, See? I was like, this is so silly and stupid. They're all hitting each other with blow darts and passing out, and and from point from yeah. being poisoned and everything. I was like, I, it's so silly. I, I, but I was lost it by that point. I couldn't deal with that. I, I, that's where I thought the movie reneged on its premise. The movie's ah, called okay. Jungle to Jungle, and it's going to start off with Tim Allen in. The and they even started off showing like the kid in the jungle and right. then Tim Allen and Martin Short in the madness of the stock exchange on yes. Wall Street. And I'm like, OK, so the thesis is they're both jungles. There are different kinds mm-hmm. of jungles. There are different mm-hmm. predators out there. And then we're going to spend half the movie or, th- you know, on the island. And then we're going to come to New York and it's going to be all about New York City and how the kid navigates the the the, the mean the streets and the jungle. life lesson, the concrete jungle and the life lessons of New York City. And and maybe some of the stock market stuff would come into play. And yes, it does in terms of like they've got that side Dundee. thing with the coffee. That's yeah, exactly what I wrote. I was like, Dundee. the premise of this is to have this kid have adventures in New York City. It's like if Crocodile Dundee spent half the fucking movie, like came to New York, got off the plane, spent two days there, did a couple touristy things. And then the rest of the movie is him visiting 
uh, his sister's friend in Westchester. And that, <laughs> I was like, that's not a movie. I want to see Crocodile Dundee like being like, oh, this is a nice uh, piece of land. That's great. I mean, it, it should have ended with him. There's that great scene where, you know, because the whole premise is he, he's got the, the kids got the Statue of Liberty necklace yeah. and he wants to see the Statue of Liberty because he wants to get the fire from it. And I actually thought the scene where he gets, where he climbs to the top of the Statue of Liberty yeah, like was sort of cool. And <laughs> yeah. that really, that should have been that should have been end. the climax, right? You that know, should have been the end of the movie. And, and yeah, Tim yeah, Allen yeah. running up there and, and saving him. And then that's when he realizes like, oh my God, I really care for this kid. Because yeah. there's a sense of danger. I'm going to, I'm going to lose my son. Yeah. He winds know? up loving, the, he winds up being, um, and I like the moments where he's like, starts to warm to the kid. And like when Me the too. kid goes out on the ledge and he's like, oh my God, I didn't know I could be so scared. You yeah. know, I, but when the fatherhood is kicking in, it seems to do that too, a little too early. And then there's no. Yeah. And then they have like 45 minutes of movie left to fill. And it's like, oh, let's go to Martin Short's house. Let's go to Daddy Day Camp or whatever. You know, I mean. Remember the four of Crocodile Dundee 4? Crocodile Dundee in Islip? You don't remember? You don't remember that? It was fun. A lot of fun. Crocodile Dundee at the Garrison Farmer's Market? No, I forgot that one. These rutabagas. That's not produce. This is produce. Smell that. That's right, that is. Oh, God. I've never seen anything like this. One of the guys who played, like, the fashion... Uh, uh, assistance was yeah. this guy Derek Smith, the guy who faints, who keeps screaming. And That's fainting. like a Kate and I were laughing, and we would yeah. like laugh, and then we would like stop ourselves from laughing, and then we would be like, "This is so, <laughs> this is so offensive," but I'm laughing. But they make that line. But one of the guys, uh, he goes, "Oh, Lewis, you're a cliche." They actually say that. <laughs> right. That was that was an actor I know, Derek Smith. He was very he, funny. He played Scott. He's a huge. The one said Ray and, fa- and said, yeah, yeah, yeah. "Oh, he's doing yeah. a Faye Ray." He's doing a Faye Ray. He's a, he's a huge Shakespearean actor. He's, oh, he's oh. worked and he well, played God Scar on Broadway for years. We did. We, we were wow. liking. What's him. his name again? We're gonna give Derek him Smith. Derek Smith, you're fantastic yeah. in this. He's great. great. So I, I asked. So you Derek heard from he, him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, I mentioned that we were doing this week, and I saw this movie <laughs> and how fantastic he was, and you know, if he had any fun stories. So this is he, he wrote back to me. <laughs> He said, OMG, that movie is so embarrassing. No. I was cut out from the final edit a lot, probably because I was way over the top. Um, But he says, I actually do have an amazing story about that shoot. I was on the movie for a month. The day of the scene where I fainted was a hugely expensive day for the production company. The boy in the film had to walk around the perimeter of the building on a ledge 20 floors up. So the entire city block was blocked off. Wow. Fire department permits galore, netting hung everywhere, all to ensure the boy's safety during a long day. Also, there were many, many extras on call that day, lots of moving cameras, etc. As I said, a very expensive and long day of shooting. So we finished, got all the shots we needed with the boy on the ledge and NYC emergency on call. A production assistant was entrusted with taking all the film uptown somewhere in a taxi. Poor kid left the film in the taxi. Tim Allen himself appeared on the 11 o'clock news that night to beg the cab driver or anyone else who might have found the film to please, please, please return it. It was never recovered. So they had to reschedule that enormously expensive day of shooting, which meant we got another week of salary. And hmm, after that, Nobody ever saw that production assistant again. Oh. To this day, I feel so sorry for that kid entrusted to transport such a valuable bit of film. 
Best wow. to you, Derek. Wow. That's nuts. What a great story. And oh my God, how awful. He was really funny. The other thing that was really weird for me, and this is this is gonna bring things down. No, really it's the World down. Trade Center stuff. The World right? Trade Center. Yeah. And now no. it's always it's always disturbing. Anytime, like even when we watched Moonstruck a few weeks ago, whenever you see them, it's always upsetting. I know exactly but what, what you're was more say. upsetting about this was that they work there. You're inside. And all think, you're inside. Yeah. And all I'm thinking is I'm watching this fun family Disney movie and I'm, all I'm thinking is, oh my God, if these people still work there in a couple of years, like yeah. we know what's going to happen to them. Right. Yeah. You're like and four years later, if you're, you're on that the floor, future. you know, they, they're in the, the office and you're looking yeah. out over the city and you're like, yeah. all you can think about is that. Yes. Ooh. I had the same thought. Fred. It's awful. Like, and even like, hard. and other things like, you know, I'm watching and I'm like, Gee, what, 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 this kid's going on an airplane with his bow and arrow, or he's climbing this. Down. But you're thinking this, yeah. but this is yeah. all pre nine eleven. And a blowgun and, and a lighter and a lighter. Yeah, <laughs> all things you can open have flame. Now. Right, but yeah. this, was, but again, this was like it was Not a different Derek world Smith, back a different then. Different open flame. Right. I'm cutting that. <laughs> Jesus, I'm cutting that. Okay. I think he would actually love that. Okay, I'm keeping that. Okay, I'm keeping it for you. But Eric. yeah, that was really. <laughs> Oh, that was, that was tough. It was really, really hard. It was hard very difficult. Yeah. To watch. Very difficult. How many Mimi Sheilas would you give this? <laughs> Oof. Uh, mm. You go first, Fred. I can't. It's, it's hard because you guys are, ta- you're taking me down. <laughs> you're kind of lowering my, my, I was, I was going to be, you know, I was going to be like above five because it was like, well, I, I could see giving this the the equivalent of a Siskel and Ebert thumbs up, which means I have to be above five, but wiggle. maybe I'm yeah. at five. What did you say? Yours was? I'm thinking four. I'm feeling four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, it wasn't bad. I just don't think I'd ever want to watch it again. Right. I'm, uh, you don't think you'd ever? Uh, <laughs> I'm, two, I'm 2.5. I'm 2.5. Oh, I that's give, very uh, low. Yeah, well, Ooh, there's nothing. I give I give one for Sam Huntington. I give one for <laughs> Martin Short, and I give the yes. point five for the the New York City stuff that I liked. <laughs> That's about, <laughs> about it. Sam Huntington. He was uh, he went on to be uh, he's in a lot of things, but he's I don't Jimmy think Olsen, I remember. Right? He's Jimmy Olsen in Superman Returns, the Brandon oh. Ralph Superman. He's very funny mm. in that, and I and he's but he's done a lot of stuff. I'm trying to think of um, he did a lot of television. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But very, yeah, very good actor. And I think this must have been, I think it said introducing Sam Huntington. It did. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but yeah. No, he's so, I will go so open and, and natural on film. It's great. Four and a half. Uh, yeah, no, he was oh. very natural. You're exactly so right. Yeah, and he, he had a very uh, pleasant quality and ease to him. And yeah. and in the moments where he's like, you know, you promised me this, you know, you said yeah. that you were going to do this. That was really lovely, I thought. It was really yeah. lovely. Yeah. So I'll go... F- I'll go four and a half. I'm just under being able to give it a give it a thumb sideways <laughs> because <laughs> because you 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 made me think about it. It's like yeah, no, I wouldn't watch this again. Actually, I might watch parts <laughs> of it again, but I wouldn't sit there and watch the whole movie again. But yeah, you know, Martin know. Short, I'll watch anything he does anytime. I don't care. He's a goddamn genius. He is. He's great. Speaking oh. of geniuses, gentlemen, we got a we got a a letter here. Oh yeah, from our own resident genius. The great Dr. Merlot. Oh, I wrote us a letter here. Let me just open up the old, uh, the mail sack. Shall I oh, open fantastic. it? Fantastic. Open yes, it. You haven't please. opened the mail sack just, in a while on air. Yeah, let Do me it. just rifle through. Okay. <laughs> For only oh, one letter, that's All that uh, mail that's not getting read or answered. 
I use it for kindling. I, I oh. put it in the old because we don't have heat here. So I, I, I need something to keep you warm. Of course. And we use our letters of our fans. Uh, Dr. Malo, I don't do a good Dr. Malo. So you, you can imagine him in your, sure. in your, in your mind's eye. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, dear fellas. Oh, look at this. Well, we've successfully completed another hybridization. Now we know who's up there, yeah, right? Mr. Uh, Mr. Queensucker himself, Richard, we know Ricky the D. We know- Richard Dreyfus. For, for first time listeners, R- Richard. I love Fred is so good about Please, caring Fred, about give you, us the-, the first time listener. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. I bring things up. I call back. I'm not very good at this. Fred is very good at this. We can't do a full recap, but no, suffice it to God, say, please. go back and listen, but suffice it to say, uh, Richard Dreyfus is, is hanging out with the nefarious Dr. Malo and he mm. wants to become hybridized so he can, he can have a full, fully formed relationship with our number one fan, Sheila, right. who many moons ago, Dr. Malo turned into a murder hornet. Right, right. Half murder hornet. And she's been in she's been in hibernation with the other murder hornets, and she will hopefully emerge soon as spring uh, is is on the horizon. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, so so Dreyfus is up there. Uh, dear fellas, well, we've we've uh, uh, successfully completed another hybridization. May I introduce to you QS, the quail salmon. Jeez. Oh, God, no. The quail, quail salmon. We, we quail were saying salmon. that we were hoping that, that Richard Dreyfus would get hybridized into some sort of rodent or like a yeah. ferret or an otter. Yeah, like an otter or a weasel or something. Quail yeah. salmon. I, I was hoping he'd be, if you want, he wants to have a life. With a, a half murder hornet, why exactly. not just breed him with another hornet and they can go buzz off together and do things to each other? Why now it's half fish, half bird, it's flopping around. It's not, nothing can. Why can't can we just have normal this. fans? Why can't we have normal fans? Why can't we have fans? Why can't we have real fans? <laughs> real fans. And why can't we? Why can't we stop? Not that Sheila and Richard Dreyfus aren't real. They are very no. real listeners. Yeah. And why should we? Why do we keep genetically engineering uh, the, the, the movie stars of our child? It's not our fault. This is this awful Doctor Merlot. He's got to be drunk again. He was off the sauce for a while, it seemed, and now he's back doing tipsy. Who first time listeners is actually uh, based off of uh, Doctor Moreau. I think he just changed his name. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Or for, was inspired for by. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so he doesn't get the cease and desist from the estate of H.G. Uh, of Wells or whoever. Or Marlon Brando. Right. This is a smashing success. Oh, God. Now we just have to wait for Sheila to emerge, and then we can have the wedding of the century. <laughs> so ridiculous. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Oh, and then he says, I need a drink. <laughs> oh. oh, and then at the bottom here, well, you know, Totes up there. Totes says, "P.S. This shit is nefarious, even for me." <laughs> says Tote. The nefarious T O H T. Exactly. <laughs> On the back here, look, guys. Not Toad, as I always <laughs> thought it was. Right, he's yes. not Toad from um, X Men. <clears throat> On the back here, back? look a picture. Oh, 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 God! Oh my God! That did not. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it worked out. He has the f- mouth of a fish. Look Boy. at this. He's got a beak somehow also. 
And you oh. hate fish, Dan. It must be hard. And to yet he look still at looks like Richard Dreyfus in a weird way. Yeah, it's still, he says he's got that Dreyfus look in his eyes, that sort of dead, <laughs> lifeless, angry look in his eyes. He's got wings because he's you part quail, I guess. He seems to be laying both quail eggs and salmon roe. Oh, Disgusting. Wow. He's sitting in Disgusting. front of a, he's sitting in front of a plate of mashed potatoes, <laughs> and he's wearing a Duddy Kravitz uh, sweater vest. It's it's. The perfect. <laughs> this is disgusting. It, it, it actually sounds like a success. Yeah, to me. it's a complete success. Oh, God. oh wow! It's a what do his private parts look like? Oh, listen oh. <laughs> and subscribe Mas- to find out. Masterful, masterful, masterful. Fred Berman. Really, you are a masterful. Master. You just get better and better, oh, like a shucks. fine wine or a piece of fucking cheese. <laughs> Private parts. They tried to shut him up. You want to tame him? Did you say testicles on the air? Oh, yes. <laughs> Switch him off. Oh, my God. She has swallowed an entire 13-inch kielbasa. You gotta love that boat. Your husband's quite a character. Just an act. And tune him out. Don't sing along with the music. <laughs> <laughs> no jokes dealing with flatulence. I refuse to work with this man one minute longer. I want to beat these guys. The only way to do that is to stay on the air. Oh, you are the anti-Christ. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. This is good. This is good. Private parts. The life and career of shock jock superstar Howard Stern, here playing himself, is recounted from his humble beginnings on Long Island to his self-proclaimed status as the king of all media. Yearning to be an on-air personality since childhood, Stern meanders through the radio world, moving from one ill-fitting job to another until his supportive and long-suffering wife, Allison, played by Mary McCormick, encourages him to drop all pretense and polish and just be himself on the air. While on a gig in Washington, D.C., Stern meets Robin Quivers, also playing herself, who will become his longtime partner in crime. When the two move to New York City, they take drive-time radio by storm with their edgy, irreverent, sexually charged, and painfully honest show, facing the wrath of the FCC and NBC executives in the bargain. Directed by Betty Thomas and also starring the great Paul Giamatti, Private Parts earned $14.6 million over its opening weekend en route to $41.2 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Private Parts? Definitely saw this movie when it came out, saw it several times after that, read the book, Private Parts, yep. mm-hmm. massive, huge fan of of Howard Stern uh, at that time. Um, don't listen to him much anymore ever since the move to satellite radio. Haven't really heard yeah. much Howard Stern at all, but definitely a regular listener uh, at this time. And I will never forget, we mentioned 9-11 earlier, I will never forget that morning because that was my morning was listening to Howard Stern yeah. and hearing them. You know, they had somebody, uh, I feel like they had, oh God, it may have been Pamela Anderson on or we're about to have her on mm-hmm. or something like that. And slowly but surely the the news starts coming in. Dawn, and so yeah. whenever I think of that day, I think of Howard, the Howard Stern show on that day yeah. and how they were processing it, not as news, but just as New Yorkers. It was just a rumor. Somebody just called and said that on CNN, a second plane just crashed into oh, one stop. of the a second oh, plane. That's two different buildings. They are two different buildings, and that is lower. So it's a terrorist attack, isn't it? Just, that, that's what they're it's saying. Gotta, it's got to be. It's got to be. Somebody just called oh in with that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. A second plane might have crashed, and a second building is on fire. 
you know, this obviously is his story well before that. It was he wasn't even on NBC anymore when we when I was. No, he was on. He he left NBC in 86 or 85 and uh, he was on a CBS radio. XRK. uh, XRK. He was on K-Rock in New York. In New York. So he was a regular staple on there and had been. And then the move over to Satellite. And that's where I sort of lost touch. But then he sort of reemerged again on on. X Factor, or is that the show? America's Got Talent. America's Got Talent. That's what it is with yeah. Howie Mandel and some other people. And he's a lot of fun on that. Um, but, you know, a couple of things surprised me. How much I remembered of this movie. How fucking good Mary McCormick and Paul Giamatti are in it. Oh, yeah. so Just great. are great. Totally forgot Allison Janney was in it. She's great, too. First shot yeah. of the movie. I love yeah, it. Yeah. That kind of uh, office great style, uh, you know, uh, person <laughs> yes. on the street interview. I, I thought that was a brilliant way to start with it's like so just funny. the negative perception of him, the standard <laughs> negative perception of him, yeah, especially right. from women just right off the bat. I thought that was a brilliant opening shot. He was offensive. He was obnoxious. He was disgusting. Do you want me to go on? Once he wanted me to approve a contest where he would give a new toilet to the listener with the largest bowel movement on the air. I mean, you can imagine the logistics of that. The other thing that sticks out to me is still Howard Stern's not a bad actor in it. He has he's moments of wonderful. subtlety he's, in it. He's, he's really wonderful good. in it. You know, he's not, he's very natural and comfortable yeah. the whole way through. Yeah. yeah he's exactly. a great presence. I'm shot. I'm really surprised I th- when this came out. I remember thinking, well, he's going to do something else. Either he'll, yeah. it'll be a, a sequel in the vein where he talks about his K rock years and like other battles with the FCC, or he'll just be an, he might get hired as an actor in something. You know, there yeah, was talk of him yeah. being the scarecrow in the Joel Schumacher. If Joel Schumacher got away with a fifth oh, really? Batman, oh, he was wow. on the short list. But that's oh, also what Jesus. Hollywood does. It's like if your movie's number one, then all of a sudden, you yeah. know, a lot of non-creative people are like, great. Now we'll plug that person into this, whether it Batman makes villain. sense or not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. It is very surprising that I mean, there's so many surprising things about this movie, but mm-hmm. that was to this day, one of the things that still things that still blows my mind that like that he did it and that was it. Yep. And he stepped yeah. away. Yeah. Because no I and because I, I, my I have to think because he you know you say what you will about Stern he is a smart guy he's oh, a yeah. super yeah. smart guy he knows what he's doing and I think and the little things that I read was he was like look this was such an unexpected success I did it I'm never going to top it just step away. But yep. I, I was I was always shocked. I always thought there would be something else. Uh, I, I this whole, but but no, and I and there's no. I, I I like that actually. Yeah. I, I really respect that. That it's like it a like, mic drop, and and you just sort of will fade fade away and go. All right, this is out yeah. there now, and that's it. But the main the main thing, unfortunately, unfortunately, that resonates in this movie is the fact that. What was what was what's more appealing about this movie at the time in 1997 than anything else? The fact that it has heart, the fact that it comes oh, yeah. back to his yep. great relationship with his then wife yeah. and and how strong they are and how she has been there for him through thick and thin and how they've broken up and come back together. And they're with each other, even though he has this crazy shock jock, you know, sex infused radio show. It's him his wife and his mm-hmm. kids at the end. And of course, not terribly long after this, 
three years that later. all falls yeah. apart so it's yeah like, that oh, that was man. upsetting too i mean in the same that's way hard, like watching yeah. jungle to jungle in the trade center that's i was thinking about that as well <laughs> yeah going oh man you're like yeah it didn't, it's a shame. It, didn't uh, it didn't last you know if you, yeah. i remember where i was when i heard him saying we're getting a divorce <laughs> i was yeah. in a story like i remember like the, the the i'm listening on my headphones and like in like a bagel place or something and i was like what you, when you guys can't, you, you, you gotta make it. Yeah, you're Howard and yeah. Allison. You are the couple that makes I it. Know, Come on. Yeah. I know. So that is I mean, this hard. movie in so many ways is about loyalty. Yes. You know, yeah. her being loyal right. to him, him, her loyalty, him being loyal to his, to, to the crew. Fred, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw this together, Jason. <gasps> I, I saw it multiple times in the theater, but I do yeah. remember, I think you and I saw the opening night. Yeah. Whether it was the midnight show or. Yes, I think, I think you're it right. Because I think I saw, I went to the Midnight Show. It was like, I'm thinking Chelsea or something. Yeah, you're, I think you're probably right. Oh, this God. movie is such a surprise to me. And I, and I really think it still holds up. Yeah. The, some of the, some of the, the comedy bits, you know, obviously are up. a little, they're, they're a little hard to watch now. But yeah. I have to say, I mean, I remember growing up with Howard Stern and listening, you know, here and there. I didn't listen to him too much uh, on, on NBC. I would hear him, you know, a lot of my friends, older siblings would listen to him. So I knew, you know, I knew who he was. I knew about the Stern versus Imus thing. I didn't really start listening to him until college when he was on K-Rock because my my roommate, senior year, John Del Vecchio, yeah. used to wake up to him every morning. Oh. So I would, every morning, <laughs> I, I would wake up to Howard Stern and he became a very soothing presence in my life. And then I, I like you, I became hooked. I listened to him constantly. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part was when Robin would do the news and then he would interject. And when he was just talking yes. and being honest and like that to still me, my favorite. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Fred. Fred. I always love that. Look forward and, to. and my favorite thing about him was he would go on these rants about something and, and almost without fail, he'd go on a rant about, and at the end he'd be like, I don't know. What the hell do I know? You know, what do I know? What am I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like oh, there it. was always this like <laughs> self-deprecation. So when this movie, when they, and, and then the other great moment of this movie, which I remember watching this was the fart man moment. That's another <laughs> yeah. brilliant way to open this. Cause I remember watching that when it was on MTV and it wasn't John Stamos. It was Luke Perry. Who was, it was the oh, guy who introduced him. Oh, wow. And I remember watching that. And I think it was in my senior year of college. And even that, when he came down thinking, this is fucking stupid. And originally he was going to make a fart man movie. Yeah. And I remember thinking that's going to be, that's going to be terrible. This is going to be, because he doesn't work on film. He's not funny. Even when he would be on Letterman and shows, I didn't like him. He was was too much. It was, so I just thought this movie's going to suck. It can't, it can't be good. (laughs) I'm completely, it's. From the, I finished watching this movie and I was upset that it was over. Uh, yeah. I was like, no, no, no. I wanted to keep going. It doesn't make sense that it's as good as it is. And all of them, all like Robin's really good. Fred's good. Fred's good. They're all good. It's <laughs> got to be a testament to Betty Thomas. I agree. Made the Brady yes. Bunch movie work so well. I, I, I mean, she's, I don't think she gets enough credit. Now, I and I remember Stern at You're the right. time talking about, how she brought, like he would be in process making this movie for a year and he'd be, he'd do his show in the morning and then he'd go film and he would talk about like how hard it was sometimes and, and how great she was and be like, yeah, I gotta tell you the way, what she's getting out of me, the way she, she's getting me to act in this thing. And I'm telling I mean, it's, it was fun to listen to him and you know, you could say it's, it's lip service and it's like just being like, oh yeah, my director's great, but there's something there. I mean, he clearly has 
natural ability. And yeah, because you just can't you can't fake that. He's so open and natural on screen in a way that is still shocking to me watching it again. I just realized uh, that makes no sense what I just said. I just told you I went there as a kid and now the grand opening. Well, I just I think I was just caught in a lie. <laughs> oh, boy. You know what the truth is? I'm a disc jockey who makes $250 a week, and uh, I just want to do the right thing here on the air. I don't want to get fired. So uh, I, I guess I lied to you, <laughs> but uh, I'll never let that happen again. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, boy, do I feel stupid. He's honest to a fault sometimes, yeah. right, in his, uh, in, his, in his work life, which is the thing that's always been so amazing about him. And so maybe that's it. Maybe it just made it easier for that to translate when if she just says, be honest. He knows how to do that, you know, and um, I think it was also because I read that her she didn't want to do it. You know, uh, she's like, sure. no, I have no interest. And a lot yeah. of people turned it down. And her husband was a huge fan. Oh. And then there was something. Oh, I think they met. That's what it was. They finally met. And she was really taken by him. And she just for whatever reason, she decided to do it. But I because I, apparently I went through a lot of script changes. Stern turned down like 60 versions of the script. Uh-huh. And and it oh, oh you know what it was? I read it was Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman yeah, came aboard. That's right. And said, He's, yeah, listen, and he said make it and make it an auto, uh, you know, a uh, biography about yourself. Like do it like that. Do interviews. It, that was his idea. But I, I think one of the things which is great is that Betty Thomas wasn't a fan. So she was she had this objectivity about yeah. it. You know, she, there was nothing precious to her. I think that probably helped. Even if you're not a Stern fan, he says right up front. The movie starts basically saying he's disgusting. And he's like, I know this is what you think of me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm an idiot. He says it right off the bat. He's like, I'm just an idiot. I'm misunderstood. Well, it's a, you know, I'm just horny. I'm, 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 I'm a horny kid. <laughs> so immediately you're in, you know, you're like, oh, okay. It's a brilliant opening because the thing, and probably, you know, you talk about the fart man thing, which I always hated and i was like god it's so stupid he's funnier than this he's smarter than this yes but he you know this is the, the interesting but it's thing handled well in this movie well it's handled brilliantly because he comes down and then he is this bundle of nerves and you see him walking backstage and he's so insecure with all those all those cameos of all the the, the rock stars and stuff backstage looking at him like he's a fucking moron and yeah, he's, like, he's like he's like excuse me sorry and the vulnerability right. which you've never seen in yeah. him right off the bat you see him as a, like like an insecure dope like the rest of us like oh that was so stupid what i just did oh my god well, everybody yeah. thinks i'm so stupid it's brilliant to start that way and that's got to be betty thomas right because because yeah, somebody or ivan reitman or somebody is going okay we have to make form meet function here where yeah. is he where is he the most safe behind the radio mic where is he the least safe you know where is he the where is the potential for the most vulnerability Two places, one in front of a camera where he's and two reliving these life story moments where he is establishing and losing and then reestablishing relationships. Right. Whether it's the lady on the plane, whether it's Carol Alt on the plane or whether it's, you know, um, whether it's Robin Quivers or whatever. I love the scene where he begs Robin to come back. I think that's my favorite scene where he like literally gets down. He's like, I will kiss your feet. Please come back. And then they have a great scene in the studio after that. What'd you say? Uh no, they're both, they're both really good. Yeah, Robin great. does a good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robin does a great job because especially in those moments where he's going off on a tangent or a riff <laughs> yes. and she's playing with him. But you see, you know, they're on the radio and she's like, oh, Howard. And you see yeah. in her eyes, the that's too far. I, yeah. I, You can see her thinking, <laughs> Allison's not going to like that. You, yeah. or, you know what I mean? She does a right. wonderful job. I'm so still so surprised by 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 how good the acting is among the people who are 
purely radio personalities right. <laughs> with almost no on-camera experience. She never thought she was going to be in a movie. Yeah. Uh, One of the so things weird. I love is how they fold in the whack pack. <laughs> they oh, fold, yes. You know, yeah, yeah. You can't have a Howard Stern, Stern movie without... Baba Booey, Stuttering John, Crackhead Bob, all the people, right. all the but people that you. it's a period piece, so they didn't, they weren't around. Yeah, so you how have are you going to fold the them in? They device, find yeah. a way to sort of get them in there. And I love in Stuttering John. In a perfect John stern way, end. too. You know, trying to get like topless women with donkeys. Yeah. <laughs> you know? now, I, now, I will say those. Are, yeah. That's right. God. That's lady. all my, that's all my least favorite part of the movie. Like when, is it Jenna Jameson? When, when he has, you know, the. All the stuff about the, the lesbians and the kielbasa. Queen, all that stuff that he would do on his show. I never really. And that, that wasn't the fun stuff to me. That's, that's what I was saying before. Me yeah. too. I agree. And I, and but that was his thing. So you can't leave it out. Well, right. you can't leave it out because that's the audience he's trying to serve. I think that's. Mm-hmm. I think this movie had an uncomfortable um, life uh, on screen because it is yes. not. I think part of the reason he didn't do another movie is this actually. It was very well reviewed and it's well regarded. It didn't make that much money. It cost thirty oh, million really? to make. Oh, wow. It cost thirty million to make, and in the end, it made forty-five. You, know, you take marketing expenses and stuff. It didn't really make money, so it oh, wasn't wow. just hit. The Jungle to Jungle made sixty million dollars. This made forty-five. Huh. So you know, of course, that's a Disney Holy movie with Tim shit. Allen. But this felt like a bigger hit because it opened big and had a big publicity wow. machine behind it, and it was like fascinating. Howard Stern's making a movie, and it's good. So it it lives on well in memory. But I remember at the time. His diehard fans are like, what is there wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to satisfy them. It was like they wanted it to be wall to wall lesbians and nudity and, and you know, and, 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 and crass jokes. And it, it, and it was <laughs> a very different product. And I think a lot of his fans were like, eh, I don't really care about mm, your personal that's interesting. life. I mean, you I, talk I'm about so your happy that they didn't do that. I'm thrilled yeah. that they didn't because yeah. the parts of the movie that lose me are the parts that. I would kind of step away from on the radio show where I'd be like, it's going to be a yeah. contest with two lesbians for an hour now. So I'll come back when the new, and I would, I would be like, the news will probably start around 10 AM. He starts late. He would always go over his, his slot was 6 AM to 10 AM. And the news would sometimes start sometimes at 10, 15, 10 30. I mean, that was a great thing about, it always felt like you weren't paying for it. It's a radio show, but it always felt like you were getting more than your money's worth because he totally. would sometimes go an hour overtime. Oh yeah. He, yeah all yeah. the time. And what we're going to do is ask you to fill in the blank, okay? Now, I want you to listen carefully. Our first clue up is blank willow. Blank willow. Let's go over to Miss Brett Summers right now. Now, Brett, what did you have for us? Blank willow. The only thing on my mind, Gene, was pussy. Uh-oh. <laughs> pussy. Pussy. All right. Hey, that's kind of wild. Pussy willow. That's what I would have said. All right, let's go over to Dick Nixon, former president of the United States. What did you have? Blank willow. In any language, pussy. All right. <laughs> All right, let's go to our newest member of the panel, Mr. Jackie Jokeman Martling Blank Willow. Well, Gene, I didn't write it too neat, so I have a sloppy pussy. Sloppy pussy! Sloppy pussy. You got a sloppy and a fuzzy pussy and a very Are big pussy. Are talking about bread again? Ah. All right, now let's keep going. I also see uncomfortable shades of, of, I hate to bring it down with this, of Trumpism in it. You know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. like, you know, these rallies and stuff that he, I mean, by appealing to the lowest common denominator, he became a mega star you know what i mean like the kind of the the sensitivity and the intelligence that we know he possesses that wasn't going to make him a a star of the magnitude that he is now it's the it's the it's the the shock stuff you know the 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 nudity the sex the 
the base kind of crass racial jokes and things. That's what his, you know, there's a big core of his audience that, that to this day gets upset when he talks about anything serious or talks about politics or talks about, you know, whatever they, they don't like it. They like the old, you know, they like the Stern who's like, you know, throwing lunch meat at a naked woman or something. And it's, uh, which was a real thing that he did, you know, and it's, it's tricky. It's, uh, so, yeah. So I watched some of it and I'm like, yeah, he was huge at this time. And he was huge for reasons that are, because what I appeal, what, what appealed to me, I can remember so vividly the first time I heard him on the radio. I was in seventh grade. It was WNBC. So a lot of this movie, I know very well. All the stuff where he goes the and chases down stuff. Pig, pig Vomit, who he called Pig Virus on the air. They changed oh. it. For some reason, they changed it for the movie huh. from Pig Virus to Pig Vomit. But they he called him Pig Virus. And he I remember like every day being like, how can this guy talk about his boss like this? Is Pig Virus here today working? Yeah. He is here? Yeah. Oh. That's because he has no social life. <laughs> and that's because he doesn't work during the rest of the week. Yeah. <laughs> now, Pig Virus always shows up on holidays, and he's yeah. busy working because he has nowhere to go. He has no friends. That's Nobody true. likes him. He has no girlfriend. And that way, if he pretends that he has so much to do here, nobody mm. realizes what a terrible, miserable life he has. Yep. And I remember the day that he got <laughs> taken off the air and went and tracked him down with a microphone in this, I mean, I remember that. That's not wow. made up for the movie. That awesome. was a real thing that happened. And you're like, oh, my God, he's going through the halls of his office building with a microphone. trying to, And the boss being like, get out of here, Howard. Get out of here. I'll hit you out. I mean, it was crazy. Wow. But I remember the first time I heard him, my mom was just it was like winter break in February of like whatever year that was, 1983 or something and uh, or 84. And she's flipping through the radio stations and it just lands on. It's Robin and Howard talking, but I don't know who they are. I'm just like, I've never heard people talk on the radio like this. And they weren't saying anything crass or offensive. It was just so and such a natural conversation. No Mm. polish, no DJ voice, none of that. You know, I mean, you just I'd never heard that before. I'd never heard somebody who was not being interviewed and every man being interviewed on the radio who didn't sound like an announcer. And this was just two people talking and laughing. And I was like, you're not supposed to laugh at your own joke. It was mesmerizing. And I would go I that whole winter break. It was like a week off from school. I discovered him. And then that was when he was on the afternoon drive time. Three o'clock. I went into my bedroom. I turned on the radio at three o'clock and I listened to him until seven o'clock. And I did that every wow. day of my winter break. And then I did it all through the summer. I did. I mean, every day after school, that was the thing, because he used to be on after school. So I get out of school drive at two o'clock, time, yeah. go home. And I'm listening to Stern. Isn't it funny that Mary McCormick's character, Allison, the wife, yeah. you know, t- um, says essentially says that to him because he's doing a radio voice. Hey, it's Howard Stern. You know, <laughs> they so show him going too. from radio voice to just his regular voice. And it's in that moment that she's like, yeah, this show was interesting today. Right at the end when you were just being yourself. It's so apparent to me now what I should be doing. I should be talking about my personal life. I've got to get intimate. And every time I feel like I shouldn't say something, maybe I should just say it, just blurt it out, you know? I just gotta let things fly. I gotta go all the way. You didn't go all the way before? No, I mean, no, a lot of times I'm just holding back. And I guess you should go all the way. He does the miscarriage bit on the radio, and then right afterwards, and he starts to play Since You're Gone by The Cars, which is my favorite car song, FYI. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that look on his eyes of like, it's a sadness of, of the reality of I lost my baby. But also there's that moment 
did I just go too far? Because yep. as you were saying before, Jason, yeah. you know, Robin's great being, you can see in her eyes thinking, Oof. I don't think we should be talking about this. Yep. And it, it's it's a brilliant move on Betty Thomas's part. And Stern plays it great of just that moment of giving him a second of, yeah. was that too far? Yeah. And then right afterwards, no, I have to, you know, this is, if this is what I'm going to do, I have to go. You know, I'm going to be completely honest, honest on the air it. and yeah. I'm going to fill four hours being honest. I have to talk about everything. And they show <sighs> sort of the progression of it because they show the scene before where they're joking about it in bed. And, and yes, he's making her laugh well about done. it to make her yeah. feel better. It's a private moment. And they have that great argument afterwards. I'm all bummed out. This happened last week, by the way. Uh, I didn't, my wife wouldn't let me talk about it. Yeah. It's sort of a morbid shot of that. I didn't mean to have this happen. Yeah. But, uh, um, things do happen like this, and, and we try to keep up with what's going on in real life. So, But one thing I did, I don't mean to be an I told you so, Howard, but remember I did tell you not to, to make such a big deal about the baby. Hey, can't you give a guy a break? I mean, seriously. You know, you're, my wife's picking on me now because I made a big deal about the baby. You're picking on me. Her dog, Fred, you, her dog Fred says to me, uh, oh, the baby can call me Uncle Fred. <laughs> I mean, who the hell would want Fred as an uncle? I think, jeez, no wonder the kid dies. Hey, don't laugh at my misery. When she's in the car with her friends and they're listening to it on oh. the air, did you see who's in the back seat? Yes, Edie Falco. Edie Falco. Lions <laughs> doing a great job just reacting so and being like, good. okay. That was before, crazy. That before was they were stars kind of moment yeah. there. I was like, holy uh, fuck, it's Edie Falco. Amazing. Speaking of stars, Paul Giamatti. I mean, oh this was, God. this was, the, he, he had been working here and there. I mean, I remember he, he had like one line in the movie Singles, I think. And like, oh. he was on Law but do you know what's crazy? The, he was What's twenty. That? He was like twenty-eight years old. He looks like he's yeah. in his forties. He looks like he's he's the, he, he he had just gotten out of Yale a few years. He was the prior, Dan Matisse was, of ninety-seven. He, he really Thank was you. because I watched that. And I was like, this guy is amazing. This guy's a star. And then I read an interview in Entertainment Weekly, and it was like, yeah, twenty-eight-year-old Paul Giamatti is, uh, plays pig virus or pig vomit, and uh, I was like, twenty-eight. This this guy's only a couple years older than I am. Yeah, <laughs> so good. He's, he's so good. The moments where he loses it and just starts oh, cursing. Cause in the beginning you think like he's got <laughs> the Southern accent. So he's probably like very proper. And you know, there's, there's this thing about him. We're like, no, 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 we're not going to be filthy. But when he loses it, I'll tell you, so Howard Stern, man, that motherfucking goddamn degenerate fucking cunt. I'll say that with no shame either. Man's a fucking foul mouth. Immature. The man's immature, you know? He's like a, he's like a fucking child. I'll tell you this much. There ain't no, there ain't no God while Howard Stern's walking the earth. I'll tell you that. Fuck it. I gotta go. Fucking Howard Stern. How about that? Howard Stern, huh? Fucking. Howard Stern can kiss my ass in hell! But I used to love when he'd have, like, Richard Harris on. You know, or or someone that you wouldn't expect to be to come on the Stern show, and you'd be yeah. like, "How would Stern's going to interview Richard Harris about like how he memorizes lines and how he was drunk <laughs> doing theater and stuff? Like that's fantastic. Like that, that's a total mismatch when it would be these mitch, mismatched sort of guests that he would have on. That would that would be that would be kind of my favorite. He he knew what great interviewers knew, which is even if I get a non-answer, that will tell me something. 
You know, that's oh, going to tell me something good. about the person in the way that they don't answer this, yeah. you know, yep. or in the way yeah. that they avoid it. That's still going to give me information. I dedicated a book to you, but I got to tell you something, man. You're not swift. You're really not. I never you don't said get I was it. cut out for this. I just want boiled water. Not microwave water. <laughs> Gary, I'm serious. I don't know what to do. It, it I mean, have to, Gary, I'm put, you know what, Gary? Shoulders. Hold it. Bubba Gary, today I want Bubba you to Bubba. go down to the store and get me all my stuff. All right? All right? I, I don't want Gorilla doing it. As you guys know, I worked with Steve Gorilla right. in Grandma Sylvia's funeral. And one of the reasons why I ended up, I took over his role because he went to work on the movie Private Parts. Oh, wow. That's, That's right. Yeah. He was a, a PA, not a PA necessarily, but he did, uh, he was on he was the crew. He was an intern. He was on the crew. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, he was an intern on the show, on Stern Show, and then I think he was on the crew. Who's on, on the crew on, of the movie. How many naked lesbian Sheilas oh. do you give oh. this? How many Baba Booies? How many I slices guess. of bologna will I throw at oh, the, the backside of this, <laughs> this young new bio movie? Of this um, movie. Uh, I was, because I was surprised at how much of it, you know, um, actually didn't hold up. Um, you know, oh. uh, for, for, for me, just as, just as far, I mean, so much of it works and there's so many good performances in it and you love Stern in it and the structure of it still works, but th there were things that just didn't, you know, that as a, as a, a kid in, you know, a kid as a, as a young 20, whatever year old in 1997 that were just like, ha ha, though, that's Stern doing his thing that just don't land anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or I didn't find funny anymore. Uh, 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 um, like the whole sequence of like the woman on the sitting on yes, the, um, that's yeah. on, on the, on the, I agree the stereo you. system and things like that in the, there are enough of those things where I'm like, Oh, this doesn't work anymore. You no. know, this is yeah. like his whole, his gay character that he does for a whole good, you the know, five minutes in the movie. Oh no. It's the gay just character, like, the, the, the black traffic reporter mama oh, look a boo-boo day yeah which i remember like, him doing every day when i was a time. kid and it's like okay these things don't land anymore and, and there's but enough again, but unfortunately you got to keep him in there because that's of for course. better or for worse that's who he was that's what he did that's, that's who he was what he did so i don't you know i don't begrudge i'm not gonna like retro shame the movie or anything but enough of that i was surprised at how much of that there was in there that didn't hold up for me so i really can't go above like a seven Whereas I was all primed to be yeah, like, oh, this too. is a great movie. I remember loving this. This is going to be eight, nine, ten category for me because it's going to be yeah. so much fun. I remember just loving it so much. But yeah, I'm thinking it's like a seven for me. I'm thinking eight and a half. Cool. Maybe. You know, I, I didn't want it to end. I was bummed when it was over. It ends very abruptly. It uh, ends abruptly. It ends, it ends much earlier than I, I remember. I was like, I was like, well, now there's going to be, you know, him going to the other radio station. I was like, I forgot that it ends. With yeah. him, you know, topping the ratings at NBC and then yeah. right before he moves to K-Rock. And, and that's actually, they, there's some conflating that goes on there towards the end. And there's some conflating in the design, too, because if oh, you've yeah. seen pictures of Howard Stern, when he the whole time he was on NBC into K-Rock, he had this afro and he had this big <laughs> beefy mustache yes. and he was just a gork nerd. All yeah. this like long rock star hair. That that's didn't start until that's after later. he left NBC. Yeah. And right. so they they have him looking dressing much cool much more like the 1997 howard stern sure. starting yeah. when he's at in washington dc and that always stuck out to me as somebody who knew who knew with laser precision could tell you like when when he got a haircut <laughs> when he shaved the mustache when he did the, so that always bugged me um yeah it I mean, does Betty thomas said abruptly. in an interview I, I read an interview that she says like they didn't have an ending 
but she's like, I, she was never happy with it. Yeah. She's like, I was never happy with it, but but we can, but with Howard's voiceover, we can make it work. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel like it doesn't quite have an ending, but that it does like it manufactures a way to end on a high and have Mm -hmm. him say, fuck you to the quote unquote villain, Paul Giamatti, who all of a sudden changes his stripes when the ratings are good. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, but yeah, it felt more, (laughs) you know, all, all I've said are positive things about this movie really feels more slight in retrospect than I remembered. And I actually, I wrote here and I just surprised myself because I scrolled down in my notes and I was like, Oh, I thought I had written seven at the end of my notes. I had written six. Oh, but I bring it down to an eight. No, (laughs) and I'm going to bring, and I think I'm going to bring mine up to a seven actually, because I really, I think it lives in that. I think, I think I was surprised by how abruptly it ended last night when I was finishing it up. And I, I felt kind of not disappointed, but I just was like, oh, maybe it's maybe it's less than the sum of its parts. It's funny. What does still hold up is his performance, Robin's performance, all the. the I think that's, that's fantastic. That's what it is. That that yes. stuff is so was was and still is so surprising to yeah. me that I can overlook all the stuff that I don't because I didn't like that stuff as as I've said repeatedly I didn't like that stuff on the air when he did it yeah but again I can that's what he did but I think I was so surprised by everything around that and how it was constructed that it raised my perspective of the movie yeah. up and I thought okay okay yeah. this this rose above anything I ever thought it was going to be or should have been <laughs> yeah. so yeah in 97 this would have been a nine for me I think this is the that's I, I'm what gonna I'm go saying seven. yeah I'm gonna go seven I'll, I'll go seven yeah. Six seems too low. Six seems churlish. <laughs> we don't want you to be churlish. <laughs> God forbid. Very, very, very good. Ah, thank you for joining us, everybody. Next week, opening weekend returns with what promises to be a very interesting episode. We are traveling back to March 14th, 1986, and the release of Gung Ho, starring Michael Keaton and Getty Watanabe. Crossroads, starring Ralph Macchio and Jamie Gertz. That's my cousin. That's your cousin. It's Fred's cousin. Jamie Gertz. The great Jamie Gertz is Fred's cousin. And wait for it. Woody Allen's Hannah and Her Sisters, starring Mia Farrow, Diane Wiest, Barbara Hershey, and Michael Caine. This is going to be a very tough watch, as it is currently difficult to see or hear anything about Woody Allen given the further revelations and allegations against him regarding his daughter, Dylan, which I don't know. I know Fred's been following it. That yeah. We're going to record this episode about Hannah and her sisters, one of his greatest films, I think. I think on the, on the same day or close to it that that HBO miniseries about um, Alan V. Farrow wraps up. I think it's the final episode is probably going to be right before this episode is recorded and airs. And I've seen the first two so far, and it is... It is difficult to look at yeah. Mr. Allen in the same light, uh, even more difficult than it was th- three, four weeks ago when we talked about Broadway Danny Rose and had that whole Absolutely. discussion. of yep. like. So anyway, I'm sure we're looking at a very interesting chat about separating the art from the artist in mm. our very near future. Uh, so join us next week on opening weekend. But until then, Dan, yes. what you got? Please tell me it's Jungle Love by Morris Day in the Times. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, I was going to tr- attempt, attempt to do a little in honor of the end of, uh, or towards the end of Private Parts and Fred's love of this great band, little ACDC, You Shook Me All Night Long. 
Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Yes. I, I, I'll never say no to ACDC. Oh, Bravo. Especially farted ACDC. I got I to channel a little, ang- what's his name? Angus? Angus, Angus Young, yeah. I channel a little Angus. Let's see if we can do it. Can you hand fart while you're rocking your head back and I forth? I might be able to, as long as I wear my little, is he, does he wear a little kilt? A little schoolboy No, he kilt? wears uh, the little schoolboy's outfit. Schoolboy outfit. Yeah. The shorts and the cap, yeah. All right, I'll, I'll try to envision it. Okay, my hands hurt. That's all. Oh, they must. That was oh, epic. God. That was incredible. You oh. know, there is ACDC, uh, Angus Young, famously, when he plays, he always has to run off stage to get oxygen <gasps> because he's he's oh, so wow. into it. He's he's running around like a lunatic. Oh, oh wow. I feel like that's what you would, watching you do that, I feel like you need to run off stage, get a quick, like, wrist massage. Yeah. He's some, literally, like, like uh, people can't see it, obviously. Oh. He's rolling his wrists and stretching them out. That, that, that yeah. did the most damage to you. My, my hands need oxygen. My hands need to, to take to, I think, I think I have to like put them in ice like Rocky would do or like, you know, something yeah. like that would do. Are oh, those insured? Wow. Have you insured those hands? <laughs> Somebody like, call Lloyd's of London. <laughs> get my hands insured. Like Mary Hart's legs. Exactly. Do you remember that in the 80s? Oh, yeah. Her legs are insured for a million dollars a piece. We need to do that. We need to listen, subscribe, and insurance companies give us a call <laughs> because you. we got to protect those puppies. You're goddamn right. Oh, God. A me. national treasure. There are t- two national treasures right there. One dangling off of each stupid arm. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Baba Bowie.